my name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and to this end we're joined on the programme today by Chris Love, MBE, an established entrepreneur with vast experience in the CSR sphere and he's currently the CEO of the Watford and West Hertfordshire Chamber of Commerce. Um, Chris, very warm welcome to you today, pleasure having you uh, with us on the programme. Good morning Scott, thanks for having me. Uh, good morning, Chris. And um, obviously, just for those listeners that might not be uh, familiar with you, um, I'll give you kind of a brief overview of uh, sort of yourself and what it is that you do and also your role at the uh, the Watford and West Hearts Chamber of Commerce. But um, could you just sort of expand upon that and just tell us a little bit more about sort of yourself, your businesses and uh, what sort of led you to where you are now? OK, yeah, sure. Um, well, for many years, I was working in technology uh, with a company called Freedom Communications, who were uh, a specialist in comms and transitioning into unified communications, something that we've all become um, very good at in the last couple of years because of the pandemic. Yeah, you know, we were evangelising for years that you should, um, you know, work is what you do and not where you go. And working from home and being efficient is is excellent. And the tools that the big tech providers provide, you know, are there to be used. And um, of course, no one really believed it until the pandemic. And now we're all working. We're all working from home, mm. using various different bits of software and so on. And so um, from that, we uh, we actually sold that business and uh, exited it two years before the pandemic. And uh, I'm not bitter, but um, there you go, because everyone's using the technology now. But uh, and since then, I've been working with local community groups and uh, charities, but um, mostly with the the Watford Chamber of Commerce. We started a a new concept called the Chamber of Conscience, mm. which is fundamentally getting businesses to network around social cause and social impact because it's kind of got more of a more of a, a feeling for it, more of a, a reason to talk to people, some value behind it. Um, it we did very well with it in, in some of the businesses I've worked with in terms of using, if you like, and I don't like saying using, but it's okay to, it's okay to do that, it's, but, but having a CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility Plan, but using that to engage with your clients, your customers, supply chains, and and potential customers, as a as, a, as a, almost as a way of marketing, you know. But it's it's sort of doing good, feel good, real good sort of thing. Yeah, and um, just dwelling on CSR for a moment, um, have you seen that there's been sort of an increased level of interest, let's say, in this, certainly post-pandemic, because it seems that we've become far more acutely aware of our impact on the planet and sort of what we're doing, not just, of course, internally within business, but also considering that consumer spending habits are changing. That's also something that business leaders need to be conscious of in that field, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I think the consumers now are much more aware of you know what what organisations are out there, what how good is their sort of ESG strategies? How good are they environmentally? How good are they socially? And, and what do they measure? Um, and that's become a, a big uh, definition, if you like, when people are choosing products and services. So, um, and I think I think people are much far more aware of it now. Um, the younger generation are really trailblazing this, I think, and, and forcing the bigger companies or any company really to consider what their sustainability message is. So naturally, uh, I think that's become, you know, it's in the boardroom now. People, um, businesses have got to shape up. They've got to look at it because it's got a commercial value to it. Now, I don't think there's any harm in in broadcasting that it's got a commercial value to it because that's when things will happen. If there's a, a return on investment, and people really want to invest in 
in local communities, then that's when it that's when it will happen. That's when real action will happen. We're um we're working on a project. We're just starting a project now on um, community wealth building, mm. uh, which is entirely that. And the, the government are behind it. We've been a bit slower. It's it's it's, it's far more prevalent up in Scotland in the the, 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 the uh, regulations that have been put in Scotland around uh, the value of um, social impacts and social value from companies winning contracts. And a lot of the companies now are increasing, so a lot of the public sector organisations are increasing their scoring on their tender process uh, and making it like 20% of the of the scoring matrix for organisations to prove social impact. So, um, yeah, I think I think there's improvement there. I mean, we can, we can always, always do more, obviously. Um, I, I want this to become far more uh, higher up the agenda for smaller companies, SME, I mean, in terms of community wealth building. We want to see some of the bigger companies placing many more contracts with the SMEs in their local region. Mm. You know, so we get that sort of uh, cyclic investment in, in local areas. Uh, and also, obviously, the, the big sort of anchor government offices and councils that they should be. And they are begin, they, they are beginning to do so, but they should be placing more business with small, medium enterprises, but also measuring what their social impact is as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, long story cut short. Yes, there's been improvements um, and um, it's a it's a start of a journey, but I think it's getting better and better. Yeah, it certainly sounds encouraging. And for, say, an SME business leader who is just looking to kind of, you know, get with the times, let's say, with um, sort of CSR and ESG, um, what are some of the key things sort of on the ground that they should be considering to sort of really improve that social impact that they're having for the better, do you feel? It's it's measuring. So many organisations are doing so many great things. It's measuring it and and proving its impact. Mm. So, uh, you know, and and, and ESG strategy is once it might sound a big sort of corporate, um, a corporate program. Actually, SMEs can do the same thing. Every business can can be conscious of what it's doing, um, and so looking at your sustainability and um, thinking about it, proving it, um, and having actions. I mean, some of the, the simple things businesses have done recently that you know, taking away all your your litter bins from underneath your desks, and and having recycling bits in your office, uh, recycling bins in your office. Um, is is a short, you know, very simple thing to do. Um, I remember when we first did it in one of our offices, people complained that they'd have to get up and throw their rubbish away from the desk if they were having their lunch. And then we said, well, hang on, you want to get fitter. This is an exercise um, program for you as well. Um, so that simple things can make a difference. But being conscious of that, I point people at the, um, the United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals mm. because there's, there's a brilliant program there. There's... 17 different categories. And my view is that every business should have either an activity. So they should be, you know, either proactive, uh, active, or have at least some sort of education within their organization for every single one of those um, sustainable development goals. Um, and, and as I said before, use it as a way of engaging with your staff. You know, one of the big problems everyone's got is retention of staff and attracting staff. But using that to to prove what you're doing and and show you've got policies in place. As I say, you don't you don't have to be proactive in every SDG, but having uh, just some sort of uh, policy or program internally that, that points people at the advantages of, of taking uh, you know taking care of uh, the planet and people and so on. 
Yeah, you make a really, really good point there, actually, because it is a very challenging environment in recruitment right now in a great many sectors. And as we've talked about with sort of business leaders becoming more conscious of the impact that their businesses are having and also consumer spending habits changing, with that, candidates going forward for vacancies, they are more concerned and asking tough questions to the potential employer about, well, what are your sort of ESG policies? What are your CSR policies? They're much more sort of um, engaged with that, aren't they? And if you're not sort of moving with the times as a business, you know, you're going to lose out on that uh, on that pool of talent that is there. And that at the moment is quite restricted. 100%. 100%. People are, like, they really are um, focused on this now. And you know, it's, it's, it, everyone has got their own passion, right? So it might be that you're passionate about the planet, but there's a lot of people out there in different groups that have got barriers to employment that are passionate about uh, accessibility, that are passionate about diversity, equality. And if you haven't haven't made note of these, if you haven't got any action to do something about it, then you are going to miss out on talent without question. We're, we're working, uh, we've got a great group in... in um, Watford and Hertfordshire, which is um, being led by a couple of big tech com- companies that I'm working with. Now, we've got some huge companies in, in, in around the area, XMA, Warner Brothers, TJ Maxx, VWV, just to name a few organizations that are actually engaging on an uh, inclusion project. We've actually called it the Inclusion Network, which is people looking at um, various different um, minority groups that have got barriers to employment. And interestingly, some of the stats that have come out of this that we've been researching, that you know, 30% of the, of the of the population are actually um, either disabled or or related to a disabled person or friends with a disabled person. Mm. And so, if you haven't got a plan around um, engaging with that community, then you're missing out on 30% of the market anyway. Um, but also, those people that are in, with barriers to work. Um, it's been proven, the statistics are there, that they're more focused, they've got more focus on personal development, they're more reliable um, and can be more productive. So um, businesses are now beginning to explore this a lot more and it's the right right thing to do because it's good for business, it's good for the bottom line, uh, it's good for attracting a a pool of talent, but it's good for marketing, right, as well because it shows that you're a, a valid company who genuinely cares about people and the planet, you know. But also, let's not get away from it, you've still got to make a profit. I mean, there is the triple bottom line. You've got to have profit to enable people to do this. So, yeah, I think it's a really positive thing. And I think the subject of um, community wealth building is very important. And it's a, it's a great to get businesses and public sector organizations talking, collaborating, um, and finding ways of doing things they haven't done before. But for a greater good, right? Exactly right. And it's food for thought as well for anybody tuning into this particular podcast as well, who might be thinking of sort of starting a business or is a small business owner, just something to certainly be uh, be conscious of there, the importance of CSR, both sort of socially and uh, commercially. And um, just um, a question as well, Chris, uh, because um, obviously we talked a lot about sort of sustainability in the environment on this podcast already. Um, I suppose when our new Prime Minister Liz Truss took office, um, her first priority would have been essentially to try and alleviate some issues around the cost of living, particularly with energy prices. And so there's been an immense support package announced for both households and businesses on that front to try and alleviate the burden there. But I suppose for businesses that are very much environmentally conscious, what probably isn't going to be sort of filling them with glee, let's say, is the talk of more 
oil and gas licences for the North Sea and talk of fracking resuming because obviously we've got the uh, the importance of energy security to bear in mind, of course, but plugging the short-term shortfall, is that going to come at a compromise to our longer-term net zero goals? And I think that's probably going to be the worry for a lot of business owners, even if they can sort of keep the lights on for the time being. Yeah, I mean, the, the pandemic... Um, and the, the pandemic initially and the, the cost of living crisis has deflected and a lot of the, a lot of focus off of um, sort of net zero projects um, because people are having to uh, tighten their belts and, and look at how looking how to survive initially. So yeah, I think the government's got a lot more to do in that space. And you know, let's face it, what, whichever government is in, they're never going to be able to do enough. Um, to 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 rectify this, it's you know we we have these challenges. Um, we just got to be creative, thoughtful, innovative. I mean, throughout any sort of recession or um, crisis, if you like, you know, innovation comes. People look at ways of becoming more effective. Um, I mean, even this this whole subject of working from home and businesses um, are really struggling now because of the demands of people going into work or, or or employees have got more demands when I need flexible working because I don't want to go to London on a train every day. And I get it. I understand that. They don't want to travel into cities. Uh, you and I are both working from home today, right? It's, mm, yeah. it's far more efficient. However, that has a knock-on effect on the cost of living crisis because you're going to say that businesses are going to be saving a few quid potentially for not having to service big offices and heat the offices and what have you. Having said that, um, that, that gets pushed to the, the home worker, right? Because we're keeping our heating on at home longer during the winter because we're going to be working from home. And also having said that, I've been to several offices, big, big, big companies in the last couple of months where there's floors and floors and floors which are empty. Um, and of course, they're, they're, not, they're not turning everything off all the time in terms of heating. They've got to provide the services on. Lighting and stuff like that is obviously going to save because they, they have these automated systems now. But yeah, it's a real conundrum, um, and it's not good news. And we, we're all going to have to think, um, as I mentioned earlier, a bit more creatively as to how we can how we can look at that and what efforts we can we can do within it, within our businesses, small, medium, or large enterprises, as to how we can we can contribute to getting near a net zero. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Mm, it's going to be tough, isn't it? And um, I suppose, on the other hand, um, what uh, this government has announced in its suite of policies coming out of the mini budget, uh, the Friday just gone. Um, just for context for the listeners tuning in, we're recording this on the 26th of September 2022. So the mini budget was just three days ago, and some incredible, some incredible tax cuts have announced by the new Chancellor uh, Kwasi Kwarteng, of course. Uh, that include um, halting the uh, the planned corporation tax rise, uh, which was due to come in next April. Um, also slashing income tax and the uh, the highest tax uh, bracket for uh, the highest earners as well. So, um, Chris, um, just looking at that for a moment, um, the, this government is clearly trying to encourage businesses to sort of keep money back and invest into new innovations, particularly sort of towards the energy side of things. So is this sort of a real statement of business, go out there, go and do your thing and really take us forward? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, the government's not going to be popular with, with, the, with the whole population on any of the decisions they make and there's huge debates I, you know i tend not to be mm. political in this space you know there's there's a there's a big argument for keeping investment coming into the company into the country sorry and attracting the large organizations who are going to employ thousands and thousands of people who will pay tax etc cetera, etc cetera. um there's an argument 
um, for supporting small businesses uh, with with uh, loans and initiatives and grant funding to get them to be more uh, innovative in terms of the green space and so on. Uh, I think, yeah, it's 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 a tough one. It's a tough one, and and I I agree with what they're doing at the moment. I think they've got to they've got to do. They, they, there's a sliding scale as to where this investment's made, but I think. The plan of investing in innovation has got to be, I'd like to see that as a really robust plan as to how they're going to help small companies, startups, corporations, um, co-ops and, and stuff, how they're going to help small businesses grow. We want more and more SME businesses growing in the UK. That's going to, that's going to help with community wealth building and ultimately, you know, GDP overall. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough one. I think we'll see more and more different um, plans coming out from the government, but as I say, I hope they're in this innovation space and supporting local SME organisations to, to to grow and develop and serve their their local communities. Yeah, and um, that takes me back to something that I have discussed very recently on this podcast with a couple of people actually, because um, what seems to be happening at the moment with the support that the government is giving to innovations is that it's very sort of short-termist, very intensive support, a lot of backing for, say, sort of one to three-year periods. And then beyond that, there's no sort of long-term scale-up plan, is there? We get to the business terms, we get our best businesses here to a point where we can sell them off to other countries, normally sort of America or China, and then that's it. And then that's it. We're not keeping the innovations here and we're not sort of growing businesses and turning them into the uh, the next Google, for instance. So that's maybe what we need to get better, isn't it, in the long run, that sort of longer-term, more soft-touch support. Definitely. And, and there's so many different organisations out there that support businesses. I mean, we as a, a Chamber of Commerce, one of the things I like to say to our um, network, if, if you like, is it's n- there's never been a more important time for you to get out there and meet other organisations and tap into what's going on in terms of funding. So many people don't know about you know what regional growth hubs there are, what's out there, and what support's available. So the government have got to get better at making that more accessible and, and joining up the groups that support businesses. So, you know, there's, in our in our county alone, there's 100,000 thousand businesses and there's um, a great deal of support that's out there. But I, I want to join, from my perspective, I think it should be joined up and then we help those businesses transition from startups to SMEs to larger organisations. And then, you know, which which is happening, and, uh, and um, you know, we're an example of this as a Chamber of Commerce We've now been successful on um, becoming on the the DWP's new procurement portal, which is enabling more SMEs to provide services local. So the DWP will be funding local programs for employers, employees, and and those with barriers to work, which will be delivering through the Chamber of Commerce and will be employing our Chamber members who, guess what, are local to Watford. So... Um, but you're right, there needs to be that whole journey support and how we get to the next stage after that. But helping helping you know, organisations get savvy at tendering for bigger business and being involved in some of these government um, procurement portals or um, and some of the larger organisations, you know, some of the big corporates, mm. they have a place to, um, you know, they have a, an activity and a, and a, and a, and a, a responsibility here to bring in those companies that are local to them and give them more opportunities to do business with them, help them grow. So, yeah, I I agree with you entirely there. There needs to be that lifetime support of business. 
Yeah, and I think um, you absolutely raised a good point as well there. There needs to be a bit more joined up thinking rather than everybody working in silos in this regard as well. Very, very important factor to uh, to consider there. And um, ov- as we obviously see the uh, the next uh, sort of few months, and let's look ahead, sort of say 12 months here, Chris, um, as, as we see things unfolding for business, as we try and navigate what is sort of a bit of a tricky period economically, um, what are some of your sort of priorities at the, uh, the Watford and West Hertfordshire Chamber of Commerce going to be? And uh, are there any sort of key milestones that you sort of wish um, to sort of surpass or you wish to see business surpassing in this next year? Um, yeah, yeah, well, we're, we're, we're in planning mode for, for, for next year. But as I, I said earlier, we're very focused on this um, building community wealth. Um, we have engaged with a number of senior level organisations and anchor partners. Um, our focus is to get people um, connected. That's our core mission as a chamber. Um, and get businesses connected. You know, in our in our small town, we've got four and a half thousand businesses, um, and I'd like to see every single one of them as part of a network or a group where they meet regularly. They they can share stories, share experiences, and and give each other advice. Um, that's that's important to us. So it's continuing to grow that, and to be be very focused on on how we can support um, businesses and the local community in the cost of living crisis. So there's several things we're doing on that front. We have a, a social arm of the, of the chamber called the Chamber of Conscience, mm-hmm. which is basically a, a network of businesses that look at social impact and how can we support the, the, the local community. So we've, we've developed several programs that are running um, essential, we call them essential hubs. We've got one at our local hospital in Watford where we're supplying goods to the, the general public through our network of businesses that are helping collect um, and donate provisions, you know, essential provisions for the local community. But actually, it's it's got a real good network of people together that are working together, not just with their own staff in their offices, so they're using it as team building in their offices, but they're using it to reach out to their client base and new customers to get them involved in something. So, yeah, our focus is, is still joining the dots between organizations to help them um, develop their network and build more relationships but obviously, along that, there's some education around, you know, how do we how do we address these United Nations SDGs, and what what can we share that's going to help our businesses, um, you know, become more resilient to that. We've all got to become more resilient. The pandemic was a great lesson, but actually now, I think we all need to build resilience into a boardroom conversation that we say, how are we going to adapt if X Y Z happens again, and that could be anything from weather to a pandemic to whatever it might be. So yeah, we've got to focus on on best practice and new new, be- new best practices. Um, the other thing, the other thing that we're very focused on is is helping businesses re- reimagine themselves and remarket themselves because you've got to you've got to adapt, you've got to change. And how do you do that? And marketing and reaching out to um, you know your 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 business network is is hugely important. And of course, that's an ever changing model with social media. So we're joining the dots between all the different marketing agencies, small and large. You know, there's there's lots of freelancers out there now as part of the gig economy um, that have got great services to offer. So small and large businesses. So yeah, our focus is on continuing this plan around um, community wealth, getting the larger organizations to open the doors to the SMEs for their contracts and their tenders to help SMEs become uh, more adept at responding to tenders and knowing what to do, what language to use, um, and we think you know that that's what our model is. That's what our role is within 
within our local business community to, you know, keep keep the conversations going and to change the conversations because things are changing. So we, we have to change the way we, we market ourselves. Absolutely so, and I do hope that you really execute uh, those aims to uh, to really good effect, Chris, and um, it might be good even to welcome you back onto the show in a few months' time and sort of catch up and just see how it's all coming together and what position we're in given the economic climate. Yeah, I would love to, and if there's anyone out there that wants to give me some advice, my doors are open because um, that's the way. Keep the conversations going, and, and if anyone's got any tips or, or whatever, then you know, share them as much as we can with, with our networks. Um, but thanks very much. It's been, uh, it's, it's been great talking to you this morning. It's been fantastic talking to you as well, Chris. And if you are somebody who's been tuning into this particular podcast today and you have your own sort of arm of the conversation to contribute, you feel, then you too can apply to Beyond the Programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply, just to remind you. And it could be you, of course, sitting down next to me on the uh, on this very show. Um, for now, it's been an immense pleasure welcoming Chris Love, MBE, from the Watford and West Hertfordshire Chamber of Commerce onto the programme. Uh, Chris, thank you again for your time and uh, do take care. Thanks, Scott. Take care. Have a great day. And to everybody else tuning in, you've been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast, and I've been your host, Scott Challoner, today, alongside Chris Luff, MBE. Uh, Please do take care all, and goodbye until next time.